Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series, interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Pat Sherlock, and welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is credit repair. What is it and what is involved in improving a borrower's credit worthiness? I have the perfect expert for this, Jeff Walker. Jeff is CEO and founder of Credit Evolve. Prior to that, Jeff was with Fannie, SunTrust, and a lot of the leading companies within mortgage banking. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Pat. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, this is an exciting topic, but before we jump into it, let's talk about like how did you get into mortgage banking and how did you get into managing? Well, I got into mortgage banking probably like most folks. I stumbled my way into it. So a couple of decades ago, I had been working with a small management consulting company and decided, you know, I don't get to see things through because like most consultants, you're there, you help diagnose a problem, you help design a solution, but then you hand it over to your client to do the work. And I wanted to do something different. I had been consulting for HUD and that's all about all I knew about mortgage was how to spell HUD. And I was in DC and Freddie Mac, one of the two GSEs was looking for folks to come help them set up risk management processes. And that's how I got into mortgage. I, I went down to talk to Freddie and, and here we are 30 years later still in the mortgage business, which is, I think, how a lot of folks, you know, find themselves getting into mortgage banking. The old joke that, you know, there's no course in college that teaches you to be a mortgage banker. Gotcha. And I got into management, Pat, uh-huh. because I really enjoyed solving problems for our customers. And I was an auditor at Freddie Mac. And so I would go in and I would audit our customers, see every part of their operation from their secondary marketing to their sales to their operations and finally realized that I knew enough about our lenders, in some cases more than our sales teams did. And I had an opportunity to move into the sales side of Freddie Mac and I never looked back. I've had sales management positions for really the last 25 years. Wow, what a story. And it's interesting that you went from Freddie to Fannie at one point. Isn't that so typical? You know, it's uh, it's funny. I like to joke that had the poor poor luck to to work for a GSE not only once, but then to make the conscious decision to go back and do it again. Um, but I sandwiched that uh, with a lot of work in the primary. And you, as you alluded to at the at the top of the podcast, I've had the pleasure of of working with you know some really great people in this industry, and I've learned a lot. And I joke about you know the the, the GSE decision. Working with Freddie and Fannie, you know, really gives you a perspective on the mission side of the business. And although it sometimes can be frustrating because you, you're not a commercial entity, certainly not any longer, and a lot of the decisions are, are sort of out of your control, but it doesn't mean you can't have a big impact. But I think the best part of my career with the 15 or 20 years that were sandwiched in between leading sales organizations at companies like Wells Fargo, City Mortgage, SunTrust before they became truest, and really getting to help consumers by helping loan officers do their jobs as effectively as possible. And, you know, that's been a ton of fun. 
Well, that's a terrific background. And I know just as an ex-Fannie Mae person myself that it is a wonderful launching pad because you definitely do see, as you said, Jeff, the big picture. And a lot of times we forget what that looks like. But yeah, that's a really great point. Talk about like your, your present challenge. Now you've moved on to the entrepreneurial world. What's the biggest challenge in your current position? So what a great question. I think there are opportunities Right, and, and I guess every challenge is an opportunity. I started Credivolve, we founded Credivolve a year ago to put together you know, what I think has been really elusive, which is the, the, the mission side of the business, the place that, that Freddie and Fannie spend a lot of their time thinking about, you know, whether that's LMI lending, low to moderate income, right? whether it's affordable lending, you know, and, and trying to figure out how to work with lenders in a way that accomplishes both lender objectives and sort of mission objectives. And you'd think that it would be relatively easy. We all care about consumers. We all understand the obligation that we have to be both commercially viable, but also socially responsible. But what I found you know, at, at Fannie that it was very difficult to align the timing and the effort between lenders and, and the secondary market. And so I think that probably the biggest challenge that I have now isn't, you know, helping lenders figure out how to turn no into not yet as it relates to, to credit, but it's helping them understand how they can do well and do good at the same time. Because I think historically, and I'm guilty of this too, folks have tended to look at the social side of lending whether that's affordable lending or whether it's the work we do at Credit Evolve to help borrowers become credit worthy as mutually exclusive. You're either socially responsible or you're commercial and they don't see the two together. And so the biggest challenge that I that we have at Credit Evolve, Pat, is helping people understand that they actually can make a lot of money and do really well by consumers and that the two are not mutually exclusive. Well, that's a great point for sure, which leads to my next question. What are the trends that you see for next year? It looks like for sure we're moving away from the refinance world, probably the easier transactions now into a more difficult market. So what are some of the trends that you think are going to be important to lenders? You know, I think that there's nothing earth shattering about the cycle that we're moving into, right? We've all seen it, you know, probably a dozen times across our careers. You move from low capacity, high volume, interest rates rise. Everyone is struggling now for consumers. And what does that mean? That means that margins are going to compress. We've had historically over the last couple of years, some of the, you know, some of the widest margins, which, you know, lenders have certainly benefited from. And now we're going to move into a higher rate environment and lenders are going to, to still be struggling with the fact that if you're a consumer direct or a refinance shop, it's still very difficult to earn purchase business. And so I think you're gonna see that trend. I think you're gonna see the return of folks really combing over their expense lines. And when you think about where are the biggest expenses, this was true three years ago before rates, rates fell, and that is loan officer expense. And in a lot of cases, it's expenses that haven't been managed very carefully. And one of those that's near and dear to my heart is the credit expense. And, and so I think there's going to be 
mergers and acquisitions and you know folks looking for that silver lining and that silver lining if you haven't been investing in it in terms of being prepared for higher rates is difficult every single time that we're in one of these environments how true and it's it is interesting i agree with you completely everyone who has been experienced in mortgage banking has seen this so many different times and it is interesting why it always seems like a shock to people but that is the reality of it how do you stay current i mean you're still in the world of mortgage banking obviously in a different way how do you stay current i mean there's constant changes there are constant changes i think the easiest way to stay current is to spend time with in my case, spend time with lenders who are who are our customers. And, and I spend the vast majority of my time reconnecting with lenders that I've had relationships with over the, the last 25 or 30 years. I've, I've been really fortunate, Pat. You know, I, I've got really good people in the industry like you, right, who put out blogs and do a lot of work that, that really resonate because you're in the business of helping loan officers and helping lenders perform better. Right. And, and staying in touch with folks like yourself who are constantly you know, educating the industry is a really great way to, to stay current. The best way is to put yourself in, in a lender's shoes. And, and I think, you know, the, the, the need for us to be really empathetic with the challenges that lenders are going through um, is probably the most important thing that I can do. And most recently, thank goodness. Right. And, and I hope this, this remains the case is that conferences are back in vogue. And, and what I mean is face-to-face, -face, right? We've, we've learned over the last two years how to conduct a virtual conference. And I know just coming up back from the NBA conference in San Diego last month, there's just simply nothing like face-to-face -face meetings and getting in front of the people who are doing the work every day. I mean, I think of myself as a big, as a big follower of lean management. I'm a, I'm, we think of ourselves as problem solvers at Credivolve, and one of the principles of lean management is go to where the work is done. And so, you know, we're a small organization. I come from working with a lot of large organizations. It's just no different. You've got to be in front of your customer and you've got to go to where the people who are doing the work within your organization are doing that work every day. And for us, that's seeing the struggles and the challenges that lenders and the consumers who don't qualify for credit see every day. Well, that's another great point. And certainly, I think the point that you're saying, which I can't emphasize enough myself, is that in order to be current, you have to be up to date. And so being active within our industry is in one's interest for sure. Well, let's talk about credit repair. Again, it's been around forever, but let's talk about what it is today. And then let's move into what actually happens in our in your effort in repairing someone's creditworthiness. So let's talk about what credit repair is uh, first. Sure. I think, you know, credit repair means something different to each of us. One of the things that I spent a lot of time, you know, researching and educating myself on before founding Credivolve was what is the current state of, of credit repair and what's the image Right, because I'll be very honest with you, credit repair, right, those two words don't conjure up real warm and fuzzy feelings. At least they don't for everyone. And I think that's because, like any industry, and banks understand this, right, you know, there, there was a lot of backlash against banks after the credit crisis. 
um, and banks have been trying to improve their relationship, some, some doing a better job than others along the way, the credit repair uh, industry hasn't always had a great reputation. And, and why do I say that? Because they tend to market themselves very transactionally. Hey, we're credit repair, and the only thing that we're focused on is getting you from point A to point B as fast as we can, no matter who we blow up along the way. So we're going to we're going to overwhelm your creditors with a bunch of mail so they can't possibly respond and they'll take all of those blemishes and, and issues off of your credit record and voila, you'll qualify for product A, product B, product C. I think that's absolutely the wrong way for the credit industry to approach this, this enormous challenge and opportunity. And, and it begins with understanding that the consumer's well-being is paramount, right? And it, and it has to be an education, and it has to be a journey that that consumer takes with, without shirking the responsibility to do some of the work to repair their situation or remediate it themselves. And so when we founded Credivolve, we did it from the standpoint of, number one, let's look at the problems that lenders have and the challenges that they have when they have to turn down a, a, a consumer for credit. Number two, let's look at the challenges for the consumer, but let's also look at the opportunities that we have within the industry to leverage some of the, the, the best resources and the most knowledgeable people when it comes to credit remediation, and that those are HUD-certified nonprofit credit counselors. And so we take a view that incorporates all three of those and, and be happy to talk to you a little bit more about that as, as we continue the discussion. Well, yes, Jeff, talk about what actually when a customer, in other words, a borrower uh, enters in a credit repair, what actually is happening so that I think our lenders that listen to our podcast are aware of that there's a lot of steps that are involved and it's not something that a loan officer can really do. No, it's a great point. As a former manager of, of loan officers, right, the one thing that I know, especially retail loan officers, is retail loan officers are paid to close mortgage loans. And when they have to deliver a no, it, it's a very uncomfortable conversation for them. Most have not been educated or trained. And so most have a very difficult time helping a consumer understand that there are alternatives to no. And that a decline doesn't, isn't a no, it's a not yet. And so what, what we do, right, we're a fintech platform. We connect a lender and that lender's decline to HUD certified nonprofits. We aren't actually doing the remediation, but we help the remediation happen much more efficiently and effectively through technology. And, and, what, and, and to, to your point, for our very first thing that happens with a consumer is that consumers at a very low point in their emotional journey, right? They've, they've just been told that they can't buy the home or they can't refinance the mortgage and put their family in a better position. And so the, the, the most important job of, of a credit specialist is to listen and to empathize. Those are certainly things that loan officers know how to do, but that consumer didn't get to a situation and have a credit issue overnight, nor will that journey be remedied overnight. So the very first thing, Pat, is the counselor has to very quickly assess the client's situation, ask situational questions. You know these models, you teach these every day, right? Mm -hmm. It's no different, and they have to listen for both what is spoken and what is not spoken when the consumer begins to tell them about the challenges that they have. 
So, Jeff, talk about the HUD certified counselor to understand what they go through before they get certified, because you're linking the bar with that type of person. No, that's right. We think that the the halo effect, I call it a halo effect, around the HUD certified nonprofit tends to mitigate a lot of the concern that consumers have, because most of them have probably been harassed, called, sought after by folks that they owe money to, and they're not necessarily the most trusting individuals. And so it's really important for us that the very first conversation they have is with their lender, and their lender introduces the, the HUD certified counselor. That, that HUD certified counselor has actually undergone very strict certification requirements to act appropriately as a HUD certified nonprofit. They understand the Fair Credit Reporting Act. They understand regulatory responsibilities, but they also have been certified that they understand that the things that they're going to do on behalf of a consumer and with a consumer are things that are time tested. And if that consumer partners with that counselor and they participate in the journey, which is typically only four to six months, Pat, before that consumer can qualify for a mortgage, in the vast majority of cases, they're going to come out on the other end very well educated from somebody who cares about them very deeply in somebody who has the certification to prove it. So is the certified counselor, are they charging the borrower money to have this, uh, in other words, this service? It does cost money to, you know, to engage a counselor. First of all, they're business people, they're nonprofits, but that doesn't mean they don't have expenses. Um, and so there is a cost to the consumer. That cost is, $149, right, to, to set up the um, relationship and, and, and initiate the remediation, and then $99 a month thereafter. And you might think, gosh, you know, these consumers who, you know, are already challenged, is that too much for them to bear? And quite frankly, the enrollment rate is quite high, almost approaching 50% when the consumer is paying the entire cost of the program. And because they have a very specific goal in mind, and because their lender has set them up to succeed by introducing them to an effective counselor, they graduate at a very, very high rate. Now, there are, there are ways that we work with lenders to mitigate the cost to the consumer. And so what I shared with you is sort of the market rate, but motivated lenders who have a mutual and vested interest in their consumers can participate and they can benefit to an even greater degree for investing in that consumer, in that consumer's journey. So Jeff, talk about the issue that you see on TV every day where the credit bureaus have gotten involved with, if you just use their service, you can get 15 more points without doing anything. They actually kind of lead one to believe that there's not a lot involved with it. Talk about that. Yeah, so there's a couple of different services that are available, you know, through the bureaus. What, what you're describing is, you know, I, I think what one of the bureaus has branded as Boost. And, and that is actually, you know, it, it's an effective way for a consumer to improve their credit score because they are providing historically account activity that has historically not been contributing to their, to their FICO score. So, for example, their Verizon bill, right? Their, the, the bill that we all pay every month for our cell phone service, your rent. What those services are actually doing is they're expanding the definition of FICO to include 
you know, more accounts to help a consumer get credit for the credit that they haven't traditionally gotten. That's not a bad thing. The challenge is that until very recently, Freddie and Fannie have not accepted those as viable means of improving one's credit score. So it's a little bit misleading because not, you know, in, in the case of, of, of these booster programs, you're necessarily getting any value for that in a mortgage transaction. But what I would tell you is that there's another product that lenders specifically use that I think is a little bit of a, there's a blind spot. It's called rapid rescore. And the rapid rescore is something that many lenders employ. And when a consumer is declined for credit, they will go through a process by which the lender submits proof to a credit reporting agency of recent changes or updates that are not currently reflected in the credit report. It's a very time sensitive opportunity, which again, has a purpose, but unfortunately, it's a very high cost. Lenders pay as much as $150 for one credit issue for one borrower to run it through this rapid rescore that may or may not help the consumer improve their score. So I'm not saying they shouldn't do it, but it doesn't help the consumer become educated. It doesn't help them learn any long-term skills, and it doesn't really help the consumer do anything other than take advantage of some bureau scoring opportunity that's, that's kind of very short-lived. And quite frankly, that helps a very small percentage of consumers. What we prefer to do is allow us to do the credit remediation, allow us to take on the expense. Lenders right now, you know, they're spending $150 for one account for one borrower. That adds up quickly, Pat. And I think what we're going to find is folks are going to be looking at those, you know, income statements and balance sheets pretty closely. And, and I'd really rather they put the consumer in a position to benefit from education they can use for the rest of their life across any product set versus a quick fix that may or may not be in their best interest. Well, I would think that considering the market that we're going into, and certainly credit problems are, are going to be more and more of what uh, originators are going to have to face and address, I would think that originators would be running to what you're doing. Well, it's funny, you know, originators, when when they see the the platform that we've built, and we talked a little bit about, you know, what is credit remediation, we're taking it in a completely different direction. We are blending high tech with high touch. And what I mean by that, the high touch is the counselor. The high tech is what we bring through the platform where we are for the first time bringing counselors the same tools that lenders use to qualify a consumer for, for mortgage readiness. So in other words, when a lender um, transitions a consumer into the, the credit remediation journey, historically, that's going from 2021 to 1970. Right. Credit counselors are typically not well-funded. They're not technologically savvy. And they don't have big budgets to go out and, and source customers. And so what we do is through the platform, give them three things that I think are very different than a traditional credit remediation or credit repair company. Number one, we enable that counselor through customer permission data to, to set up budgets that actually come from the source documentation that a consumer already has in their hands, in their office at home. So we do income asset and employment validation, digital validation, just like a lender does, and it populates the budgeting process, which is super important 
in terms of aligning expectations and outcomes between the consumer and the counselor, you need to begin with a realistic view of your budget. And so the, the ability to populate data into that budget and then to allow that counselor to use the same income asset and employment tools that a lender uses helps that experience feel much more like the lender experience and much less frictiony. I'll make that word up for the consumer. The last thing that we do and what I think lenders are really buying into is that we're bringing LP and DU, the automated underwriting systems from the GSEs onto the Credivolve platform to the benefit of those counselors. So to your point, there's very little reason why a, a lender wouldn't want to participate. They get to hand off a consumer who gets credit well-being for life. They have to do very little lift but they get a portal that allows them to see exactly what's happening with that consumer. And they get the, the benefit of the lender using this, many of the same tools or the counselor using many of the same tools that the lender does. So when that consumer comes back in five months, the lender knows that this is actually a consumer who can qualify for their product. Well, that's terrific, Jeff. And we're down to our last few minutes. Uh, if you would like to give a couple takeaways for our listeners today regarding credit repair. Yeah, no, thanks, Pat. I think the, the first takeaway is, you know, from a lender's point of view, there's no better re-recruiting tool than a tool that creates an annuity of revenue for the work that you've already invested in a consumer who doesn't qualify. So turn a no into a not yet, create an annuity stream, but also deepen a relationship with that, with that consumer at the time when they expect you to tell them no and you hand them a path forward. That's an amazing you know, relationship tool. And I thought about that in terms of you know, net promoter. Can you imagine creating a raving fan from somebody who you could have declined and said, you know, go across the street and look for somebody else to tell you the same thing, or I'm gonna give you a, a path forward. And I'm gonna do it in a way that brings you real revenue back in, in five months. From a consumer's point of view, it's an enormous opportunity for a lender to demonstrate their mutual investment in them. But the lender also gets to, to execute on a social commitment that they've probably made quite vocally to their shareholders or to their employees or to their teammates or you know, to, their, to their customers, and we can help them do that. And at the end of the day, you know, we think that creating a path for consumers to have credit well-being for life helps that lender across a variety of products that that consumer wouldn't have qualified for. And it really is creating a customer for life. Well, that's terrific, Jeff. You're really doing a fabulous thing. And I want to thank everyone for listening today. And especially want to thank Jeff for sharing his thoughts. I certainly appreciate you spending time with us. Thanks so much, Jeff. Pat, thank you for the opportunity. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We appreciate you spending time with us. If your sales team needs training in hiring and lead generation, schedule a free consultation by emailing me at psherlock at qfsconsulting.com.